0: Right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting, and this is our third and final part of the Interstellar Review. Uh, I'm excited to close this one out. We're pretty much just going to pick up with the events following uh, the docking scene and kind of the aftermath of all that, move into the events of the Black Hole and uh, the conclusion of the film. So uh, thanks for joining us for part three of our Interstellar Review. So now I think we want to move into the part where um, they're going to do that slingshot around the Black Hole. And I think this is another really good scene that kind of fleshes out more of the relationship with Coop and uh, the 90% scene and, and Dr. Brand. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to do the, the pass by the black hole, gain this acceleration. They drop TARS out because, and that was already their plan is he was going to kind of drop in the black hole, get the quantum data, hopefully try to find a way to relay it back to earth so they can have the, the data they need to complete this equation, use gravity as like a force, like harness it. He's like, okay, ready to detach. And, and Brand's like, what? what? And he's like 90% because they talk about like the level of honesty Mm -hmm. because, because Dr. Brand probably would have at this point, they have a strong enough relationship that she would have tried to convince him to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And so to kind of avoid that, he just, he keeps that 90% rule that they've established like early in the film. And you know, he drops away and he's like Newton's third law, you know, he's like gotta, gotta leave something behind.
1: Yeah. Which (laughs) is annoying. That's not, that's not true at all.
0: That's not the literal uh, Newton's third law is every action has a reaction.
1: Yeah, but also it's not even necessary that they need to detach either of the of the landers. The only reason they're detaching Tars is that so that he can actually he can go into the black hole and collect the data. They are not. He's not detaching. His detaching isn't isn't necessary because so the critical orbit around a black hole around any uh, body that you're orbiting is um is an unstable orbit. It doesn't take a lot of force to. Because uh, you can think of it as a very thin ra- rim around a volcano. You know, one one step in, you fall in. One step out, and you fall out. And it's and it's, and it's very easy to um, give a little boost of the rocket thrusters, and all of a sudden, you are not in the orbit anymore, and you're slingshotted around.
0: Isn't so, the point that they're so close though that they nope, can't do that?
1: Nope, nope. That's not necessary at all because that's not how that's not how gravity works. Because they already have so much momentum already that they're going into the orbit. You just need a little push, and it will. It's not like they were. It's the centrifugal force that's going to suddenly build up more energy. So you have all of this this uh, gravity pulling you in, giving you momentum, and that angular momentum needs to be conserved. And in the slingshot, so what it does then is that force vector ends up shooting you out. You don't need a lot of um, of rocket boost. I guess do that.
0: Yeah, I guess what I thought, and you know more about this than me. I I guess I thought they were going to enter a decaying orbit. That would put them in the black hole, um, um, and, it's and the, so it's a they... the
1: critical orbit. So it's just the, the the thing is, is it's they're not inside of it; they're just right on it. So there is a is a point where they'd be beyond it, but in that critical orbit there's still plenty they'd still be building up speed so that they're close to the speed of light which is also a crazy thing to think about They're they're getting close to the speed of light they have no way of slowing down so that's um that's another thing about like how they got to miller's planet is they actually slingshotted around another neutron star to slow them down from gargantua pulling them towards miller's planet yeah so so they, they have to have that figured out on their way to Edmunds Planet that they're getting slingshotted around almost to the speed of light um, towards Edmunds Planet and they'll need to be caught by something else. Do you think the? Or actually no. Actually I so- think part of what, why they they did slow down is because they were still feeling the the gravity from Gargantua. So they slowly slowed down, but they'll still need another another slingshot um, so that she can actually dock.
0: To me, uh, we we talked about this before we started recording. Uh, you seem to have more of a scientific pull and, and interest in this film. Mm. I have a very emotional attachment to this film, and which is odd to me because, uh, like I've said before, I love science fiction, and I love the science and stuff, and I love the science in this. I just love the relationships and the motivations, I think, overshadow all the science in this. So. I mean they could have even been a little more loosey goosey with the rules, and I would have still bought into this movie uh Jane, do you think does that kind of knowing the science behind or that line nope. does that change much for you
2: no, I do not give a shit I just think
0: it's such a that. it's such a great yeah. abo- i mean like yeah. it's
2: very cool to know that stuff and uh but um it doesn't change the way I view the movie at all and the emotion attachment to it is is the point to me in this yeah, and uh the science behind it is very is very cool, but at the same time like I have no heres. Science, like it's a movie, like I mean, it's not all gonna be right. And you gotta let it go sometimes. And, yeah. Uh, and, and it's like, it's awesome that you know the stuff, and like that's great, and I appreciate learning it. But it's not gonna detach my affection for the movie.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It does. Yeah, it kind of doesn't change too much for me. See, it increases it for me because okay. if you've
1: created an even more realistic landscape then these re- then these emotions seem that much more real these are yeah. real people like if you've created an entirely believable landscape where you know we're dealing with the this is absolutely something that would happen in real life mm-hmm. this is absolutely what a person would do in a real life situation it's it's that much greater we're not we're not so concerned about we don't have to worry about so much whether or not the the science is goofy or not like it's not pulling us in or out like this is this is the science this is just you know like it's like the difference between um uh a fast and furious movie you know yeah like, it's it's goofy it's ridiculous like i'm not even hung up on whether or not these characters mean anything because this is they're driving on a plane it's like i, I <laughs> yeah no that's <laughs> so jumping a good way to, to
0: another building i cannot even begin to become interested in those movies because it's so unbelievable mm-hmm. but it's but it revolves around something that's supposed to be believable like an automobile like yeah i'm supposed like i understand okay, how so those the, the work. first one is believable yeah no i think the first fast that. is actually that a terrible film. I mean, it's not good. I think it'd be crazy to watch but, the, the first one and the ninth one and then just be like, how did you arrive here? Yeah. It's so crazy. They probably um,
2: got there uh, through with a car. I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, probably kind of fast. Maybe a little I'm furious. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> but I agree. I think, yeah, we've said this before. I think the believability of the science makes the whole thing so much more digestible yeah. and it makes it so much more real. Like, to see this crazy sci-fi story take place wouldn't make sense if it's if it's overdone or or, or the science doesn't make sense. Yeah, because then you arrive at like a Star Trek, which is yeah. the new movies where they're just kind of they're just action films in a sci-fi setting. This is like a real story, but in a sci-fi setting, and, yeah. it, and it feels real. The characters feel real. Captain Kirk is great. Chris Pine's good in those. None of it feels real though.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it it it's overwhelming to see a black hole the way that they've depicted it because it is a hundred percent the way it would look um there are some differences about the way it would look with um how they played with how fast spinning they they slowed this one down and sped it up in a couple places depending on what physics they wanted but for the look of it um they wanted one that was mostly completely circular um right. there would be because of the the that disc that disc is called an accretion, an accretion disc. disc Yeah, and it is um gas and particles sped up to the uh this um the speed of light um because it's just it's uh getting uh thrown around so quickly by gravity and what it is is it's likely uh a star that was ripped apart millions of years and ago. so
2: real quick uh i mean i don't know fucking shit about black holes but i did read um on reddit before we, before we did this uh if you have an issue with this being a soft black hole a
1: or gentle, a gentle or gentle, a gentle one, singularity
2: which uh I mean, people don't seem to believe would ever exist. What do you feel about that?
1: Uh, that's weird that they say that because that's. So the thing is, is that inside of a black hole there are multiple singularities, and a singularity is a point in space where uh, matter has been infinitely compressed, um, so that it's not actually matter anymore. We don't we don't know what happens because you're talking about quantum gravity at that point, which we have no idea. The rules of quantum mechanics and Uh, special relativity do not coincide we cannot make them make them work together we have no idea what unifying theories uh there are the the the, our closest uh, our closest guess is um like string theories um the best one being a super string theory called m theory that it connects all of the the working um uh string theories as well as uniting all of the forces but what's weird about it is it needs a minimum of eleven dimensions to work. So, Jesus. Yes. So it's, <laughs> it's possible. We're, so we we're would,
0: barely working on three here. Yeah. <laughs> so it would,
1: in in that sense, there would be three space dimensions, one time dimension, and seven D hyperspace. Um, one of those hyperspace dimensions could possibly on the be on the macro scale, uh, like that brain that we were talking about earlier, where the bulk beams are passing through a fifth dimension. But it's more likely that um, they exist on a micro, micro, microscopic quantum level, and it's just um, things folded up inside like of, top macros? of themselves. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very it's very small. It's not something that we're probably ever going to notice. But the only way that um, all of these things work together is if it's.
0: Uh, they're hidden in other places do you do you think of gargantua as a character within this film i think of it as
1: uh as a set piece um it's 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 a it's more of a set piece but so to your point about uh, a gentle singularity so what happens is when things fall into a black hole you have a a a singularity of infalling material and if you are moving fast enough through that singularity you're not going to feel the tidal forces and tidal forces are you know we were talking about like with with uh, Miller's planet feeling that so what a tidal force is is it's a differential gravity force so if you're imagine a really long rod it would feel a different gravity at one end than it would at the other right because as you get closer to uh, a, a massive body the gravity increases so if this rod is long enough that it feels one force at one end and a greater force at the end closest it's going to get stretched apart and spaghettified called spaghettification
0: yeah, yeah that's the kind of the prevailing theory it's that fucking tight in. isn't yeah. that a cool term yeah if you fell cool. into a black hole you'd be spaghettified i think that's a i think term. i think
2: you've like talked to me about this before the spaghettification yeah or whatever yeah
0: it just sounds like such a non-scientific term but that's like kind of the prevailing term it is yeah, yeah that is like that the sciencey term for yeah it, but <laughs> it so, just sounds so goofy
1: <laughs> so the reason he says uh that there's a gentle singularity and because gargantua is an old black hole is is that singularity so if if coop flies through it quick enough um it's going to be it's going to be a really um the difference between the tidal force forces aren't going to uh, aren't going to exert force on him in such a way that it would pull him apart he would go straight through it theoretically and so he would be in between the infalling singularity the outflying singularity and then there's an unstable singularity at the center of the black hole so in the film he is between the first two
0: singularities can you tell us real quick you had before we started recording you talked about kind of the distance of what like Saturn and earth would be compared to the center of the black hole. You compared it to like New York, the, like New York streets.
1: Yeah. So the, if you, if you imagine, uh, the distance from earth to Gargantua being the distance from New York to Perth, Australia, then Saturn is two blocks away
0: from the empire state building. Cause it's the way it's shown in the film is like, it's kind of like this. That's why I asked you if you think of it as a character, because it's, it's kind of, ominous in the background it always plays a role in everything every decision that's made so mm-hmm. that's kind of why i kind of like to think of it as a character because it's kind of this omnipotent force that is always in the back of everyone's mind i suppose i but yeah i don't i don't see it quite as a character do you I'd think about as, that
2: i see this as a prop or a set piece yeah okay no that's yeah.
0: fine and, yeah yeah i just I, I, not that i like with I just like it's that crazy. its presence plays such a role. Yeah,
2: and it does. It's huge. It's a massive thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the way it's actually pictured. So that ring around it, you know how the whole thing it looks like a planet with a with a spinning disc, right? That ring around the top edges is actually the accretion disc. Yeah. It's the back side of it getting wrapped around yeah. visually. By the by, the gravitational lensing, it's and if you actually look amazing. at some of those images, there are like stars off on the right. So, if you imagine the black hole covering one of the stars, the light rays. Calvin would actually... just pulled out like a chart and a sheet for us to to help <laughs> make this That's easier in the,
2: in the YouTube. Link I just <laughs> yeah, we can we can add that in. Yeah, uh, maybe
1: not that one because
0: this guy is talking about. Uh, liquid gravity but i'm saying, saying this is immediate. how serious you're taking the science in this you brought in a little chart to help us uh, out i love it it's very difficult to to
1: to talk about otherwise but so basically you can think of all of the photons uh, extending radially from a star and so they will go out and they will hit different parts of gargantua and get warped around it. So you will even have ones that go out. They're not towards gargantua because but because the gravity is so strong, it'll get pulled oh in God. here and you'll actually see this star in different places on the sky because of how the photons are being warped by this by the time space.
0: Yeah. And I I love that I love that you're on this to help kind of explain it better because I, I can just look at it and just think it's visually cool. i have taken physics, but I still, I'm not like good at physics at all. And uh, I love that you're here to kind of break it down in a digestible way because it, it is amazing. And it's amazing that they took the time to apply all of this science into the film.
2: Like, it's been about eight years since I've been in a physics class. Yeah, no, no fucking idea what's going on. So.
1: Yeah, I, I love this stuff. And I, I, I always for, I try and get into it as much as I can, but I forget some of its stuff. So I... I it's each time I come back to it, it's like, Oh yeah, I remember this term. I remember what the, what the shore shield, uh, radius is. And, uh, I just need to, you know, refresh what, what some of this is. Right. Um, but so just the way that it is, it's pictured is, it's just mind blowing. It's, that would be what we would see when we were get when we would get there, it would be that amazingly amazing and ominous and, yeah, it's just crazy to think about. It's also technically it's awe inspiring. Like yeah, it's,
0: it's it's amazing to see on the screen. Like it's it's a black hole in a way that I think we're not used to seeing it, mm. but it's like an accurate depiction of it, and yeah. that the accurate depiction of it is more awe inspiring than kind of the sci fi kind of idea of what it looks like.
1: Yeah, and you know what's crazy too is because that accretion disk is. Um, they they described it as being anemic. It hadn't been fed by a star in probably about a mil- million years. So it was the temperature of the sun. So it was the sun for that, that system, for oh, Miller's shit. planet and for man's planet. Isn't that the idea of like a...
0: And he
2: just goes right at that motherfucker,
0: huh? Yep. Isn't it? Right. <laughs> the idea that the only, the only stars that could produce a singularity are your very massive stars like a, a, yes like a a, a, a red s- star a star the size of the sun like our sun soul wouldn't be able to produce a black hole it just doesn't have enough it's not dense mass. enough it's not mass enough right and so it would have to be it would it have I'm to pretty be pretty sure
1: are It'd blue be stars the bigger stars or red stars the bigger stars uh i want to say that red stars are larger and then blue stars are hotter yeah i think those yeah. are the ones that turn into your neutron, neutron stars. stars yeah because yeah. um, they're
0: more dense and yeah but, but it's I know been like, a minute, dude, <laughs> I know, I know there seem to be up on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to say it's a concern, but I know people look at uh Betelgeuse, which is like one of the largest stars that we observe a lot, mm. uh, cause it's pretty close, but it, it's the idea that it's big enough that it could form a singularity, which is kind of funny cause it, it's like a uh, 160 some light years away. Yeah. So and uh, you're
1: talking about like hundreds of thousands of, and possibly millions of years for it to even get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's
0: it's weird. It's also not something that's going to destroy us. It's just it's, a cool thing to think about like uh this star could have already begun its supernova and collapse. I have no and idea. we're not going to know for 160 years. Like yeah. it could I happen today and we I, wouldn't even know. I no that's idea. why that's why I love this movie because I just have this fascination with space. Yeah. And that's why for me this this movie just hit all the beats for me and and because it's so uh, heavily influenced by real science. It just it just matched everything I wanted to. Yeah. So we rambled
1: a little bit well, there. Well, so I did want to mention, so speaking of solar masses, yeah. do you know what they, they set the, uh, the, the, the mass of Gargantua to? I have no
0: idea. That's 100 million solar masses. That's incredible considering if you put that into terms of like Earth compared to the mass of the sun. Right. It, the the <sighs> Earth is nothing compared to our own star. Mm -hmm. and the fact that this is what did you say 100 million 100 million masses that's That's incredible yeah that's so like it's so heady and it's so hard to even like grasp what that even means like it's so hard to even put that into a scale that like i can understand yeah exactly that's why i love that's again i just love space and just there's so much happening and it's such it's on a scale that is so unexplainable in a way. It's like it, it uh, uncomprehendable in a way. You can explain it, but it's just like how do you actually wrap your head around it? It's amazing. Yeah. And this and movie we
1: have barely stepped into yeah. the backyard. Yeah. This movie
0: just tackles. Instead, we're
1: so sending much, cars but... into our atmosphere. Yeah.
2: <sighs> Super uh, fun,
0: huh? <laughs> oh lord. Um okay, so Maybe I wanna, she, we're
2: about taking care of the atmosphere before we spend send cars out there.
0: I agree with you. And we have yeah, some points to make about like the corn and kind yeah. of the way that is. Um okay, so Cooper is now, he's dropped off. Again, I, I said it's a, a really cool emotional scene to me between him and Dr. Brand when he drops off. And uh, I love he kind of just has this like monologue, just this external speaking. He's, he's just like kind of recording as much as he can while he's in the ship falling into the black hole. Yeah, and part of that is the time dilation
1: um, because uh, the the way to look from an outside observer, he'll never actually cross the event horizon in her from her perspective, because time slows down so much as it approaches the speed of light, right there, which is just fascinating to think about. Like he'll just keep talking, and the 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 delay from when she'll keep getting these messages will be further and further. I never even thought about that. Mm-hmm. Because it's just that it's like even just in that small space, because it's um in inverse square. The closer he gets, the expon the more exponential that the time crazy shifts.
2: She hears him on her ship
1: for a little bit. For a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for a little bit. And then all of once he gets to the, uh just before the event horizon, we don't really know.
0: I like the way the score picks up back and he's like falling. Uh but um, yeah, he's
1: actually he's actually going through the uh first singularity. Yeah. And that's and so, that's what uh, all of that is, that dust and collects and uh and and matter being collected.
0: Oh, okay. I I didn't know that. That's that just enhances this movie more. Calvin. Mm-hmm. you're making me like it more. Um <laughs> He's on the other end of the bookshelf. That is, uh, Murph is convinces a ghost. Yeah. So he's, that
1: I, is a tesseract.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I love the way it's depicted. It's it's just like, and he can travel through it. He can interact with it. Uh, I I think it's, I think this is a part of the movie that lost a lot of people because this is now now you've entered the realm where there's no real science to explain this. That's like, not true. Well, that's that's what's fun about this. This, well, is, this is a real very speculative
1: plausible thing anything's plausible you know nothing about it except it's 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 built on actual laws that we that we have that there could be bookshelves inside of black holes that the tesseract is a four-dimensional space that when you when you travel into it the tesseract what it does is it warps space so greatly that you actually he's actually falling um um the distance then would only be from from Gargantua to Earth would be uh, the distance between the Earth and the sun. So as he's falling, he's literally falling that distance, and that's how he gets there because the the space is warped inside of the Tesseract. That fourth-dimensional brain then gets shifted up to here, and he actually travels to Earth through the Tesseract because he's in the fourth dimension, the fourth spatial. I was...
0: was, uh, I sort of kind of throw this... I don't throw it away. I just... I throw away the science surrounding it because I sort of just think it's like the bulk beings built this kind of structure inside the Mm -hmm. black hole and it just, on a surface level, just makes sense enough for the story to to continue the narrative. I never thought about it as like a way that he's actually traveling back because time and space have warped and changed so much within this like infinitely dense... Yep. um, That's why he actually goes back because
1: time is uh warped in such a the space is warped in such a way that it's it's just like time dilation in uh in the black hole he's actually going to what is the current time in the tesseract on earth
0: okay so that's why it's only i always kind of wondered the connection between that i i just sort of wrote it off as like it's just it just needs to be in the movie to push the narrative forward yeah and it looks but it's it's nice to it's nice to get a, a a kind of a better picture of it. And I love the way it looks too. I like it's like the bookshelf, but then it has like all the, all these lines kind of bleeding off of it.
1: Time tubes
0: is yeah. how Kip described them.
1: They're literal extrusions of the object through time. And that's why he's plucking when uh, he pulls on the, uh, um, when he puts them the morph yeah. code into the, yeah. into the watch. Yep.
0: So I want to know, uh, Jaden, what is your opinion on the, so he realizes he can interact with this like uh, dimension that he's in he can interact with the bookshelf in front of him and it if that doesn't happen then this movie makes no sense if he can't have this scene do you think it works for this film like because he uses uses it he uses to communicate with murph in the past but like do you think did did this movie lose you during that because that's kind of a complaint i i hear
2: intrigued me a lot during this um I don't think the movie works without this scene or without this concept. I think it's kind of the point of the film. Um, yeah, I just think, I think it's great. I think it's fucking super weird and super original. Uh, you're not gonna see another film do this or have seen another film do this before this. And yeah, I think it's amazing. The way it looks is amazing. I'm big, big fan of this part.
1: Yeah. And I love too just thinking about the, so if you think about, um, a cube um and he's existing on the two-dimensional face of the cube but sending forces through the the three-dimensional cube so that is what's happening here in the tesseract he is in a face of the tesseract all of this is a face because it's the three-dimensional area of the tesseract and when what he's doing is uh he's exerting a force uh, a gravitational wave through the fourth dimensional bulk and that's going back in time because it's the same time um, in in this uh, the way that space has been warped. And I, I this is the, when he's pounding on the books. This is these this is the part that really gets me. This whole this crazy visual, all of these emotions, this this futility. It feels like of a life unlived, um, purposeless. It's right. all right there. And in a in a completely disorienting
0: place, he doesn't know where where he is, why he is, all yeah. of these things. It's so good, and I I keep saying like this is this is Matthew McConaughey's best scene. This might be Matthew McConaughey's best scene too. Uh, the books fall off the show. That's when he realizes that I I can interact with this area. He realizes that he has interacted. with I love that Taurus shows up. Me I'm
2: too. Like, I'm a big fan of that. Okay, so just real quick, I was reading fan theories on Reddit about this movie before we came up, before I came over, and uh, I just read so many about the fifth dimensional means that were literally exactly just what Matthew McConaughey says they are.
0: That's not a theory. He I says was it. like, did what? you guys not watch the fucking movie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, I'm pretty sure there's people from the future.
0: He says it. So, yeah, in I the I film. Was like, that's that.
2: that's the that's what he says. Like, what yeah. are you guys fucking talking about? Did you guys stop watching? It's like... Oh, he got this part. I guess the movie's over and just turn it off? Like, what happened here? It's not like, a theory. You're, you're, that's a literal a th- statement th- within yeah. the film. Yeah. I'm, I'm you, there was a multiple, like, mo- like,
0: paragraphs of, like, why they thought this. And I was like... Okay, don't go to Reddit for a review on this movie. <laughs> yeah. Listen to our podcast about <laughs> it. That, yeah. That's terrible. It was, it was ridiculous, dude. I was yeah. like... That's like someone being like, I think they go to space in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, no literally. fucking duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, hot take. I think the dialogue
2: is real. Like, so I think oh, it might have been... Like, so, like, to be honest, I literally think it might have been the guy... Who was sit next to you in Green Knight? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, who's the guy who's never seen a movie yeah. in his life. He might have just watched uh, this movie before we did this. And then podcast. he made a hundred
1: posts yeah. on Reddit. Yeah, and the, I mean, the other plausible things that he's been in quarantine for the last
0: fifteen months, and <laughs> just doesn't know what <laughs> what people are. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, that'd be amazing. I, yeah, it was just silly that I saw. I was like, dude, how he when he says these exact same things in the fucking movie. Yeah. Like, I should have I, gotten just, that guy's number and asked him to be like, can you be a guest on our podcast? So he just talked shit about him. Please come over and just, I want to experience a movie the way you experienced it. Because this is- Why is everything mind. so amazing to you? Right. I'd love to hear him watch Interstellar. Like, I just think like even seeing- but corn. corn? yeah. He he's just like, wow. <laughs> wow, corn. Wow. <laughs> that dude is fucking wild, man.
2: Okay, continue with your point if you can
0: <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I again, I was talking about I like the interaction with TARS and, and yeah. kind of the realization that uh, Cooper has that he can interact with this space, and that's when he starts kind of pushing the bookshelves out to say to stay. Stay, yeah. Even if you're not on board with kind of this like weird kind of sci-fi experience that's going on right now where he's inside of a black hole and he's pushing a bookshelf, the emotion behind all these is it's so insane. amazing. Yeah. No, Matthew like McConaughey really shows his chops here. Jessica Chastain's Murph, I, I think, talking about it more, I've, I've kind of discovered it's maybe not the best performance or best written character. I just think she has a great start to that timeline of Murph and a great finish to it that it makes the whole thing so cohesive to me.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's fair. I just think it works better as dialogue within Matthew McConaughey's head because right, right there, like right when she's discovering the watch is. Honestly, like, it's unreal to me that Christopher Nolan wrote that, and I was like, "Yeah, this this is plausible." I'll set my brother's field on fire and just give him a big old hug, telling Dad came back. Look at his watch; it's here still. And yep. yeah, this he's is this movie because yeah.
0: yeah, he obviously doesn't think she's batshit crazy. This is this movie pretending to be a lot smarter than it is. Yeah. that's exactly what that is. And and yeah, we've mentioned it before this is Christopher Nolan I love what you said he's like he's like the frat boy of uh, <laughs> of like uh high concept films it's like or no I would say he's a, he's a frat boy's
1: uh idea of high concept films. right because I think he's I think he's a really good uh director but he's there are some things that are a little wonky with yeah. him but that's why what it's makes, just
0: like deceiving that you think like you think you're watching a, a green night you think you're watching a, a ghost story you think you're watching a midsummer mm-hmm
1: yeah, you like real auteur type this stuff. Is, this
0: is a Michael Bay movie with the uh, the concept and, and intelligence turned to the max. Yeah, yeah. with less boobs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I agree with you. I, I think that that... Uh, so we can talk about the burning corn now finally because I know you guys have a lot of issues. Yeah, oh my gosh. That. We have so many issues. Okay, right. so Christopher Nolan grew
2: 500 acres of corn for this movie. To fucking do what, Calvin? <laughs> to burn
1: burn it <laughs> in a movie talking about the sins of excess yeah our planet is dying in this movie and they you are know, like yeah you know this this fits thematically like i'm sure this is, it's not the real movie we can burn 500 acres of corn yeah. no big deal and just to watch that happening like in in real life like how are you like it like talk about a, a movie that's not aware of itself yeah <laughs> i agree with that.
2: Uh, so he also ended up selling the corn I was left say, over. He did not just like give it away or get rid of it. He sold he whatever He should have he should have given corn. it away. Yeah, he he's did. just like, I'm fucking making money off what corn I
1: have. Oh my gosh. It <laughs> came, came in under budget by like 10 million, too. <laughs> gonna, what did he make off of that corn? He probably
0: bought himself like a really nice coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta recoup the loss wherever he can. I agree with you. And it's something I had not thought about in the film at all because i i i always watch this and i am just completely in the context of the film i don't think about anything else but what's on screen mm-hmm. but that is so poignant to say It's like it, it is it, it is a movie it's 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 all about like how do we conserve our resources and then she burns them there's actually in the special features there's a whole bit about kind of the propane setup they had to burn it because it's not even like a, they don't just set it on fire it's like a, a whole pyrotechnic setup yeah i'm sure it has to be it has to because it's a controlled burn yeah, and so, so like, it's oh my it's gosh. so intentional, and it, it it kind of makes me like that scene a lot less because I thought it was dramatic, and I thought it thematically fit with the film. Yeah, but if I view it from the outside, and now I'm like, oh man, this is a movie not being aware of what it's even about. <laughs> yeah, and I like that you guys brought that up because it's something I never thought of before. Because like I said, I, I just I experience this movie, and I am only in the movie the whole time I'm watching it. I don't think about anything else. Yeah, outside it's of it's so
1: good at doing that, just sucking you in and. And playing with your heartstrings, literally right. sending those gravitational waves
0: through <laughs> yes. the fifth dimension. Yeah, there's there's some bulk being, just grabbing my heart, yeah. making yeah, me want to watch this Chris, movie more. A little piece of Christopher Nolan lives inside all of us. Right. This. <laughs> but that's such a good point to bring up. A
2: little piece of Christopher Nolan corn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just never I never thought about that, and you guys brought it up, and I was like, oh, God, don't make me not like a part of this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh. Because at first, I was like, yeah, I think it's visually a cool scene. You see all this smoke in the background. Yeah. and. And Tom's gonna go and investigate and that's uh that's Murph's chance to get back in the house, get the watch and, and figure out what's going on and it and it it's all set up, I think. Well, it's all just set up payoff in the movie. It's like the, the watch is set up and it's paid off in this scene. It's it's done so well that I don't even I d I I didn't even have a moment to try and think of like the actual Factors outside the movie that were taking place yeah and even when you break
1: them down like just thinking about like filming the whole scene of jessica chastain like walking around her bedroom it's like it's like a cheesy csi like oh let me read the book oh it says stay mm, mess around with the dust oh this isn't it like it was just like when you put all of those shots together as like as a whole thing like wow this is weird and unnecessary and what a waste of a great actress
0: on right like on a hmm
1: hmm hmm. Type I think
0: scene. You'd brought it before that sometimes the score carries the scene, mm-hmm. and I think this is a good example that the Absolutely. score carries the scene. It is not. It's not the best part of this movie, but the score just makes it sound so much. It makes it feel so much more dramatic than it probably is, mm. and it it makes you feel when you probably shouldn't. Uh, so. It, it, yeah, that's just like a good nod to Hans Zimmer, creating something that's so good that it can make probably something that should have been bad really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I totally get your guys' problems with that. And and now every time I watch this movie, I'm going to be like, why the fuck did they burn the corn? <laughs> and it, it, it actually makes me more mad that he sold it. Yeah. The selling of it is worse. Yeah, yeah that, sure. that, that's more annoying to me that it wasn't like... Hey, it,
2: hey man, it's America. You capitalize on opportunities, you can't.
0: I so. think that part is... Uh, I'd have to rewatch the. I think that part is filmed in Canada. I think it's a farm in Canada. Oh, that's way more gross. Yeah, I'm not sure. Fucking corn covered maple syrup and ice hockey. (laughs) I know. Someone can comment and tell me I'm wrong. Someone, please. Please comment. (laughs) (laughs) So after he gets that message out to Murph, then the Tesseract closes. And uh, I, I just love Tarsi's like, you did it. Like the bulk beings are closing the Tesseract like we're getting out. And then uh, Cooper's just floating in space. And then he wakes up in a hospital bed. And I kind of love that it just cuts to that. I don't want a whole rescue scene. We've already had dramatic space scenes. I don't think he yeah. it. I-, I like that it just cuts to him in the bed. I yeah, you, do see the,
1: you do see yeah. the lights in the distance when he, comes, when, he's, uh, when he comes out of the Tesseract. Actually, when he goes back through the wormhole, because that's also in forty space.
0: Right. I think there's enough of a nod to the fact that He gets rescued. I just, I'm glad there's not a scene where it's like, get out, get out. He's he's running out of air. Get him, get him into the hold. Like, I I like that. That's not a scene. This movie does a good job, I think, of not overdoing stuff that doesn't. Need to (laughs) be overdone. I I get. Never mind. This movie overdoes a lot of stuff. I'm just glad it didn't overdo that one.
1: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do it in enough places that it doesn't take away from the overall message and the overall tone and atmosphere. It does it enough. It covers it, it covers it up with music wherever it does happen.
0: Yeah. He's woken up out of his hospital bed and there's a the doctor there he's played by a Jeff Hefner. And he's such a small character, but I I just love his interactions with Coop. He's like, uh, you're no spring chicken." It's been a Yeah. You're you're hundred and twenty three years old.
2: So hundred and twenty four, but yeah, he's a big, you're, big no no
0: no no I made a note, it's hundred and twenty three. Okay, comment leave a comment if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. I'll bet you fourteen dollars that I'm right. <laughs> uh I just love that he wakes up and he's like, Oh, you're on Cooper Station. And he's like, Oh, Cooper Station. He does that like, with all those S's, he's like, Cooper Station. <laughs> and he thinks it's named after him. I love that the nurse like chuckles. Yeah. Like how, how ridiculous! I think it's dumb that it's not
1: named after him. It
0: actually kind of would make sense that it is named after, but I I still love like that interaction, that scene. I love that the nurse chuckles and and then the doctor's like, eh, "This station's named after your daughter."
1: Yeah, they don't name stations after living people. That's not a, also yeah, yeah yeah. That's not a. Uh, I mean, they
2: invented it.
1: I mean, even it then, might be a little. If I'm not driving around the Tesla Model Musk, like let's be
0: let's be honest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, it might be enough. a little different. If you built a station that literally saved humanity, maybe you get one named after you. We'll if ask, you saved asking humanity, you on if he so. saved humanity or not, <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe you get your name on something that is that on a, big on of a nice plaque above uh, like a park. Yeah. So there's the setup of the interviews. That uh, some of them are taken from the Dust Bowl. Some of them are um, old old Murph. Yeah. Who is played by a, a character that's shared in our two favorite films. Yeah, Alan Burst. Do you think that it sucks? To, do you think they're living in excess? Do you think they didn't learn anything, Jaden?
2: Um, I think that Cooper says it himself.
0: Well, I think he says it like they... they're. I don't like, he's like living they're,
2: in the past. Yeah. I want to know what's going on now. And yeah, yeah. he's
0: right. And I do love that. I think they... And the whole
2: point is to survive till Brant is ready for...
0: Yeah. And this is another kind of setup and payoff where they set up Cooper walking past the new kind of ranger ship that's out mm-hmm. where they can... You know, they, they're obviously doing some traveling out of these docks. And then there's a payoff later on where he takes on... And I think it pays off even more later on in the movie, and I'll get into that. But uh, I don't know. I didn't have any problem with the Cooper station scenes. I,
2: I just... Did. I think it's... Uh, stupid human nostalgia I oh think I, it's i think it's,
0: i agree with that i just uh, think it it i, just I think, think it fits i think it serves itself in the film yeah like, i think, yeah, it, I think fits. it works so then i want to move on to the interaction between murph and cooper so she's come out of cryosleep from a different station she's going to come over to cooper station and i just think this is a this is it. uh you said ellen burst ellen burston is it burston okay uh, Ellen Burstyn plays old Murph and she's in like the hospital bed and Cooper walks in and sees her and he's like it's not like a greeting it's not like a hug it's not like anything he's like you told him I like farming yeah I love that which line. is great yeah
1: yeah I do
2: love that and it's obviously a good joke
0: and uh, it's great it totally breaks like whatever kind of tension might have been between these characters because the last time you see Murph is like it, she's upset with Cooper um, she's uh, kind of coming to terms with kind of like how she hasn't talked to him. Then she gets to watch and now she realizes that uh, Cooper was this ghost, and now she has much more acceptance of like what he did, leaving her. and and i I think it's great that, like it's it's just like warm, loving feelings after that. there's no there's no like dialogue to be like, why did you go? Like I, I, I waited for so long And yeah. it's nothing like that. It's just it's just immediately like loving acceptance after that. And I'm so glad then, it wasn't like any more tension in those scenes. It should have just been a loving caring moment and that's what they did
2: i loved how it didn't take very long for that moment to happen or that seemed to happen either because she's like hey no father should see or no parents should see their child die yeah she's like so get the fuck out of here yeah
0: she's like i have my family now and all the family kind of files into the room and it, i think that's a great scene too where he just kind of backs away and like he's willing to let go and now he's going to do what he again what he actually wanted to do he's going to be a pilot he's going to be an explorer a pioneer and there's this like great uh voiceover by Ellen Burson where she's talking about like you know uh Dr. Brand is still out there like living by the light of a new star on our new home and she like kind of nudges Cooper in the direction of going to do that instead of staying with her. Mm. And I love that. It's 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 a great culmination of Murph's character and Cooper's character, I think. Yeah. And
2: still doesn't
0: give a shit about Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I it, I do wish Again, I think this is... Is he a,
2: dead? Like, can you just at least ask something? <laughs>
0: like, it is odd that... Give a shit about your son just a little this bit. This is a story about a father and a, and a daughter, but it is kind of odd that like it, Tom's never brought up again. After after he has that like recording and after he has the scenes with uh, Jessica Chastain's rendition of Murph, he's never in the movie again. And I was yeah. like, how does Tom never come up? But it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't fit the narrative of the movie to have him in it, I guess. Like... The movie's about Cooper and Murph. Yeah. So it's that's why I think it's fine to me that he's not in it.
2: I mean it's okay. It doesn't make he not doesn't he dislike the movie or anything like that. I just think that it's odd that a father would
0: It is weird that yeah. he he seems to not care. Like, what happened to Tom, by the way? He, he that's never brought. I mean, it's obviously odd. he's dead. Yeah, no, I, I assume so, yeah.
2: Yeah. He's old as shit. I'm assuming that Coop knows that as well. It's just odd that it's never If bothered. he would have ever even left Earth with her. Right. It is
1: weird, too, that they said that Murph had been in cryosleep for the last two years.
2: Yeah, I feel like she knew she was going to die, so she's going to go to cryosleep just hoping for Coop to come back. That was kind of my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what is, I thought, too. That is strange, though, still. But, yeah, I think that's the best explanation
0: of it. So I want to talk about another—this the biggest, like, setup and payoff to me is uh, Coop and TARS kind of, like, scheme to get one of the ships. Oh, We, we passed over one of TARS' best scenes. Uh I think it's like one of Jane's favorites where he's 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 kind of adjusting oh, yeah, and resetting Tars yeah. when they're in the museum, he's living in the house and he's like uh, uh set uh humor setting to seventy five. And he's it's like, like
2: self-destruct sequence beginning in. <laughs> yeah. like, okay, sixty five.
0: He's like knock knock. He's like, Will it be fifty five? <laughs> yeah, I I just again that's why I think uh Tars and Case are like characters in this. They're not They're not automatons. They're not just ordered around. They're these great characters in it. And I I just love the interaction that uh, uh, Cooper has with TARS. Uh, I almost think like uh, TARS and Cooper have a more fleshed out relationship than uh, Cooper and Murph do.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that that is like so compelling just in and of itself. And it, it seems like such kind of like throwaway lines between them. But if you like really watch it, you're just like, oh my God, they're like building this real relationship. But I think it works really well. And it's
1: not overstated either. Like it's, it's not, it's, it's something that um, it's the only thing that really isn't melodramatic, but it still is uh, an evolution of, uh, of a relationship.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that because I think a lot of the kind of build up on Cooper and Dr. Brand's character are, very melodramatic scenes that kind of build their relationship. Everything with TARS is just like, feels natural. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. But I like the arc that Cooper goes through where he's going to go, he's going to get in the ship and he's going to fly to Dr. Brand's planet, uh, Um, uh, Dr. Wolf Edmund's planet where Dr. Brand is. And it's so cool. Cause like the movie opens up with him in a ship and he crashes or fails at it. And then it closes where he's not able to like complete what he wanted to do. And then the movie kind of closes with him being in the ship, doing what he really wants to do, going on this exploration. It's just this amazing tie in of beginning to end his character arc, I think is started and completed wonderfully. And, and it's interspliced with like these cuts to um, Doctor Brand on this like kind of rocky. It looks like It looks like Utah or something like that. Yeah, that's it's, it's really exactly looks like Utah. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's in Moab. That's it. So yeah, right. I saw the scene. It's really pretty, but it's also like very stark, and so you know it's going to be like a tough go for them on this planet.
1: Well, I mean, we have Utah here.
0: Yep. yeah, we managed.
1: That yes, that's what I mean. Maybe not all of it is Utah, but
0: yeah, I just think it's, <laughs> it's,
2: it's a good way to. Well, she, I mean, I, this is not Star Wars where the whole planet is covered in snow or dirt.
0: Yeah, I just feel like uh, if if there was a better place, maybe she would have landed there, or maybe she yeah. just landed where. Do so not think that this is uh, this is Edmund's planet, right? It yeah. is Edmund's. Planet okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love Anne Hathaway in that closing scene because she's so sad. She because Wolf is dead. I don't, it doesn't explain it, doesn't need to elaborate on it. It's just her emoting on screen. You understand what's happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, it had been um, three years, right? Since a hundred. No, it's, yeah. It's it's,
1: because, so they lost 51 years in the uh, slingshot, they lost 23 years um, in uh, going to Miller's Planet, and there's all of the other travel in between there. So it was at least 84. Yeah. He was. a a, a normal human lifespan
0: yeah i just i i just think that her presence on screen and what she's doing it just you don't need to be the you don't need to have a a scene where there's like a i think you see maybe rocks piled up like it's a grave yeah but i'm glad there wasn't like a scene of like her burying him to like okay audience you don't know what happened here let me spell it out i like that it was just a it's just her emoting and i think she does a great job okay like i said I, i think anna hathaway is great in this movie um and I just love kind of the full circle kind of conclusion of Cooper's character where he kind of fails in the ship the first time and now he's in the ship doing what he really wants to do at the end of the movie. I think it's just a great conclusion to this film. Mm. And then the voiceover by Ellen Burstyn is amazing. I'm glad they didn't do that. Don't go quietly into that Dark Knight or whatever poem yeah, again. Oh, my that. God. I Actually, that is like it, that keeps reoccurring in the movie and I don't like it at all. Oh, see, mm-hmm. I do love it really oh it, wow it's, it's, it's so his like favorite thing about well, it's like like him saying so, it in the first place I was like I don't like this at all like I, say it one time then it's like so obvious he keeps saying it like, yeah and I, I, think, I think he keeps <clears> saying
1: it because it's a, a part of his character and that's that's better it's not so much the point of the film or a thematic thing or a symbol it's that's why he keeps saying it is it's something close to him
0: I can understand that I just still think it's I think it's overdone so I want to know uh, what it I think we've kind of wrapped up kind of the overall narrative of the film what are, Jane what's your like final thoughts what score uh, how many gargantuas do you give this gargantuas um, I mean it's a visually stunning movie uh,
2: great score um, I think great character development there's small potholes in it that really don't concern me whatsoever right um, it's a little bit nerdy for my taste mm-hmm. um, which is fine I still think it's a great movie. I'd give it an eight
0: point two out of ten. That's respectable, and, yeah. and and again, like this movie just speaks to me because yeah. I, just like I, love, said, I just a, I'm love. I'm a big sci-fi, fan of the so. movie. Like I do like it. I've seen the movie multiple
2: times. and I'll watch it again. Like, right. not, that's I'll watch again for personal sake, not just for podcast.
0: Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah. That's that. I'm glad. Yeah. Because I think that's if it's a good movie, you can just watch on your own. Then yep. it's not like homework for this. Like yeah. some of our stuff is kind of. Homework. Yeah. (laughs) We have to watch it. It's called it's weird to call films like I am Sam homework. Because it's like that's not like that was not the homework that I was used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, Calvin, what do you think of this movie?
1: So to me it's human insignificance on the landscape of universal wonder. You know, this is I said something similar like that before, but you know, humans don't mean anything. If we died, and the universe would feel none of it unblinking unchanging and in the face of this nothingness we struggle we thrash and kick and scream calling out for us to share our pain to share our love to create to achieve to live when coop reunites with murph in the in the in the scene with all of the family there it's just a room of his own legacy an extension of his reciprocal altruism. It's, it's full of, of, of people struggling, college student, expecting couple, an aging farmer, hard partying kid coming into his own, confused divorcee, returning veteran. And then the little girl who went on ahead without him. And it's just so many lives live because of his sacrifice. So you have all of this going on it's also insignificant but it's also all of the point point. and the film keeps referring to they and it's like this this cosmic reverence to 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 they like they're gods but the, the they is us and the possibilities of our choices you know we can be the progenitors of love and creation of hope and connection and we can be the gods we need to be when we finally see ourselves and the people around us, and I think that's what man missed So, um,
0: it's a eight point four out of me, holy fuck, my review of this my my final thoughts are not even gonna come close to what you said that was <laughs> amazing I'm, yeah. i was like enthralled listening to you that dude that wow that's amazing it's it's the new mic system <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> well you know you're you know you're uh no, that that captured me. I love that. I know. I well, you know thought. you're
1: a pretentious artist when you get choked up on your own words. <laughs> like
0: it warms my heart to see like to hear you guys talk about this movie because I love it so much so it just makes me feel so warm inside hearing mm-hmm. kind of also kind of this like reverberating love for this movie.
1: Yeah, there's just there's so much heart here. I agree. And
0: even, even if it some of it is
1: melodramatic, there's you can feel yourself in it.
0: So I love that. Uh, so to me, this, this movie, it's, first of all, it's, it's placed in a setting that I, I just love. I love space. I love science fiction. Mm. It captures all the science, which I, I love to see. Uh, every performance I think is good. Uh, especially Matthew McConaughey. I, he embodies his character to me and, and, and he makes it, he makes the film for me. The score is Amazing. Uh, it 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 is like to me it's its own character within the film it's so powerful and it's so poignant and it it it, it embodies a scene like it makes the scene what it is it also has uh, my favorite scene of all time in it the tension that builds during the docking scene I mean like I said had me on the edge of my seat even kind of if you get to like the weird parts within the black hole his interaction with the bookshelf there's so much emotion behind it I I cannot get over this is this is exactly what I think Christopher Nolan wanted. Where he it's a story about a father and a daughter, and it's captured so well in this amazing setting. And so, you know, this is my favorite movie. So I'm obviously going to give it ten out of ten. Uh, Can't,
2: what yeah. 10, out of ten is crazy? Yeah. I,
0: I've never. I don't know if I've ever watched a ten.
2: I don't think that there is a ten.
0: <laughs> I, I, I'm being honest. This is this is a perfect film to me. I, I uh, while I have. I have problems with it, I guess. So maybe perfect is the wrong word to use. It just, it overcomes all of that with just mm. amazing visuals, amazing so sound it. You're
2: giving no other movie a chance of ever being better than this.
0: If, if there's a movie, there's not a movie out now that I think I would ever put above this. If, yeah, if, now. If, movies if,
2: come out in the future.
0: That's what I'm saying. So this is a 10 out of 10 for me uh maybe someone in the future can knock this one off right now or at least they, match it yeah there, there's nothing right now like i said like I, I have second and thirds to this but they they still don't like to me they don't come close to matching this movie mm. this is a, a solid number one for me i think a lot of people will be like oh i have like a top three and i kind of like this is number one this is my favorite movie ever made mm. and I've, I've never experienced anything like it i recapture the feeling i had the every time i watch it the first time i watched it like I'm, I'm always sitting up for the docking scene. I'm always enthralled by the emotional connections that take place. This is, to me, it's, it's as close as you can get to a perfect film. And and yeah, this is an easy 10 out of 10 for me. Like it, like not even think about it. This is a 10 out of 10. I don't think I will ever give a movie a 10. Oh, well. yeah. I just have more conviction in this film, I guess. But I, I this is just, I mean, it's easy for me to say this is my favorite film. I compare everything to this. Mm. this is the this is the yardstick like this is (laughs) this is what every other movie every other score I've given is like I think I give them in the own their own context like Black Widow I put in the context of like other Marvel movies or like if we watch an A24 movie I I put in the context of kind of like more artsy film but I still like at the end of the day I compare it to these and it this is it, it, it has the podium it's at the top this is easily my favorite film 10 out of 10 easy Ah. Cool. all right beautiful all right and with that we're wrapping this one up uh thanks for joining us on our three-part review of interstellar uh remember you can find us on spotify apple music amazon music audible and youtube and soundcloud uh thanks again for listening to now this is podcasting